and welcome to 2023 and Stationary Adjacent, a podcast at the intersection of analog and digital productivity. I think we've got this thing working, Stu. How are you doing today? It's been a while. It, it certainly has. A, a, a merry, uh, a happy, new, oh, uh, all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've just had an epiphany-realization. Um, it's 2023. I'm, I'm back. I was, as we trailed, um, I did go back to the UK. Um, so I was there getting my, my sort of annual uh, fill of rain and cold. Uh, and now I'm back on Aphrodite's Isle, where it is cold and raining. Ha, cold and raining, hmm. Stuart. Yeah, well, I guess with you, what is it? Minus a lot and snowy. That's going to be my guess for your weather. It's snowy. We've got a, a balmy two degrees at the moment. Ah. And I think even even worse than the snow, I'm hating this uh, sort of slightly above zero because everything starts to slightly melt. Not enough to make it all go away because there's still snow everywhere. You know, there's two feet of it outside my window. But everything kind of gets wet and slushy and it's kind of icky. Ew. Oh dear, oh dear. Well, how was your festive season? Did you do lots of festiving? Uh, no, we didn't do any festiving, which was actually really nice. Uh, we, My in-laws came down with COVID uh, before Christmas. Uh, my brother-in-law and his family got uh, cold slash flu. And a week before Christmas, we, my wife looked at me and said, no, nah, we're not going to risk it. So uh, we had a lovely Christmas with just the intimate family, my wife, myself, my daughter. Uh, It was absolutely lovely. And uh, my daughter was amazing. I'll talk about that in in our pen section. A little bit of a teaser. How about yourself? Uh, What did we do? Christmas uh, from a suitcase was probably not quite as enjoyable as one would have enjoyed. Uh, Well, Christmas actually happened here. So uh, I went through the whole um, flight booking thing and um, got everything sorted to fly to the UK on the 21st. And then 10 minutes later, my phone rang and my mum said, oh, they've moved the operation. It's after Christmas. Good. Excellent. Great. Merry Christmas. Yes. So um, I undid everything that I'd done, um, redid everything that I'd done a few days later, uh, which with the low-cost airlines is not as simple as you would like it to be, but there you are. Um, so we had Christmas here. Um, uh, the current Mrs. L came down with uh, what started as a cold, and then I am informed very sternly became acute bronchitis. Don't you know? Um, so uh, we were at friends on Christmas Eve, and uh, it was quite quite interesting. Actually, she visibly deteriorated between the sort of main course and dessert. She went from, I'm feeling a bit sniffly to, oh, woe is me, death cannot be far. Um, and so she was pretty much banjaxed for a couple of days um, and then uh, sort of not very well from a horrible cough, couldn't sleep. I mean, it was no fun at all for her. Uh, then we flew to the UK on the 28th, I want to say, 28th of December um, to do... Uh, well, A, to, to help my mum, who had an operation that same day, and uh, B, to uh, sort of stay with her for the the post-operative sort of section. Um, and she came out of hospital at, well, she got home at quarter to 10 in the evening on New Year's Eve. Oh, just in time to celebrate. Yeah. Funnily enough, she didn't seem that up for dancing, drinking, or partying. Um uh, it, it would appear that having a bit of your lung cut out sort of takes the steam out of you a little bit, which, well, good to know, I suppose. Uh, so pretty quiet. Um, that was out of a suitcase and it was in a climate that I ran away from. So you know, it was cold and wet and it was just a bit sort of bleh. Um, but that, the operation went really well. My mummy is doing well post-op. So, um, pretty much all I could hope for for Christmas, uh, I got. Excellent. And uh, the dog's still speaking to you after uh, abandoning them and putting them in a kennel for a week. <laughs> well, the dogs, uh, they, yeah, they had a terrific time. They went to uh, a home boarder that we use who's very fond of the two little ones. Uh, and um, they they came with their, their new friend, um, Chicago, our, our number three. 
who um, she kind of went went free as a foster dog, um, and well, I think had her first experience of sleeping indoors. Um, the hour to get a a spare bedroom at this home border, uh, they really are spoiled, um, and so Chicago went with them and clearly thought, do you know what this this couch lifestyle I could get into. Um, she's still still a bit scared to come into our house. Um, she she's all right coming in, but she likes to have an exit available. Mm. And it's a bit cold for leaving exits open. So um, she's uh, yeah. They they had a good time. They're talking to me, um, and well, me. I've been I've been on fire since I got back. I've been sort of doing all that New Year stuff, you know. Oh, even did my tax returns. Mm. Still, you're going to put me to shame. Well, I've done the personal ones, and now I've got I've got two companies to do. One company has year end at the end of January, another at the end of February. Gosh, you got to love taxes. Not, yeah. All right. So, uh, how's your new year looking? If you got some stuff planned, are you I've, are you all set with your themes and everything? We'll talk about those next time. But I'm just curious uh, where where you are with a, this, a, an interruption over Christmas. Yeah, I'm behind. I guess you would say. I mean, I tend to um, I really enjoy that period between Christmas and New Year. That's when I do a lot of sort of navel gazing and thinking and reviewing and. It's a sort of quiet time, isn't it? And and I, um, the dogs are exploding into action as the current Mrs. Lennon returns. Um, I spend a good amount of that time just working out what my next year is going to look like. And I didn't have that time this year. So um, that's kind of happening for me now, I guess. I'm, I'm most of the way there, but not quite finished. Um, in, in a shocking development, Justin, I know you're going to find this difficult. Mm -hmm. I'm sitting in my office. I am surrounded by mess, clutter, bits of paper. It's very un-me at the moment. Oh, I almost need a picture of this. Oh, well, I mean, honestly, there's bin bags full of shredding. There's, there's lots of paper that's got to go into the shredder. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of paper leaving my world over the next few days. Wow. Uh, so just in case anybody doesn't know what Stu's office looks like, uh, Stu's office is the definition of minimalism. Uh, it is so neat and so clean. And trying to imagine this is pretty hard at this point. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, I, I have to say, um, I'm reaching for my camera as I speak. I have to say, it's, it's making me feel a bit uncomfortable. But what about you? Have you got your 2023 off to a start? Well, it's it's started whether I wanted to or not. It started with well a bit of a bang, particularly to my um, to my pocketbook. Ah, Stu, I got a story for you. Actually, it started with feedback. Okay, so let's let's start and and let's let's blame a listener because well, we can. Uh, Lisa S gave us some feedback on our last episode, which was uh, well a very long time ago now. We've had three weeks off. Um, she was pointing out, she's a very experienced camper and pointing out to me that, well, tent camping on my own, especially now, not a good first experience. Uh, so she was actually recommending instead of a tent, renting a cold water cabin, um, which are a thing that I'd never heard of, but, uh, you know, there you go. They have wood stoves and fireplaces and often cold water available. So they are probably a lot better than sleeping in a tent. Mm. At the same time, I was having this conversation with Mrs. T, which is always a dangerous thing to do. Discuss things like tenting with, with your wife. Um, we were out for some hikes as well. And well, the local mountain next to us, a beautiful place, great to get some winter hiking in. Um, there is a mountain lion on there because, well, there's been a deer kill. Uh, we were making an ascent up the up the mountain itself, and you kind of keep having to tread over the coyote poop because coyotes apparently are lazy and walk on the same trails that humans make. And of course we're in bear territory and well, Mrs. T as I've learned quite afraid of bears, but 
particularly if you're going somewhere that is off the beaten path and not to a regular campsite. Um, all of this led to a conversation of no tenting. What else can we do? We started looking at solutions because a great friend of mine once told me the solution to any problem is to throw money at it. Thank you, Stu. I think I've been misquoted there. I think a possible solution to a problem is to throw money at it. It's, it's not obligatory. Uh, my, my wife uh, never got that part of the message. She just got the whole <laughs> throw money at it. So we were, we started looking at uh, small campers to fit in the back of my truck. I have a smallish, well, at least in North American terms, a uh, half ton truck. And uh, we went to look at uh, some lightweight truck campers, you know, to see what those options were. And of course, they're not particularly impressive at the lightweight stuff. So right now I'm in the process of buying a new to me truck with six wheels. It's a big, big boy truck with a big two ton four season camper. I could be like a snail moving around with all the creature comforts that I don't really need. No tent and probably going to lose a good chunk of the experience. But what I do gain is a furnace, a full fridge, air conditioning, um, a, a couch, a bed, uh, running water, a porcelain toilet, Stu. This thing has a porcelain toilet and a separate uh, shower. Um, Mrs. T has expensive taste, apparently. Mrs. T has expensive taste. Twyford, you are a danger to yourself and others. Oh, my God. It is. Uh... So anyway, uh, this might be my solution for uh, getting away from, well, the house, my wife. Uh, just take my truck and go. And because it's going to have everything on the back ready to go. But the, uh, yeah, it even comes with that own, its own power stew. This one has a gen set in it so that I can actually park anywhere and make my own power. Like, wow, everything that one does not need and everything that one does should not pay for, but still is. So there you go. Oh, there are, you, could, you could get into preparing now, couldn't you? Preparing. Wow. Yeah. I, I, I mean, could you not, I, I'm with Lisa here. Could you not maybe just go in, you know, go camping once before buying a two-ton tent. Um, we, do, we do actually like this kind of stuff. We've, we've done it, not for a while, but uh, we've done this kind of stuff before, but never, <laughs> never with this um, sort of layout. Um, one of the things that uh, my family is very big on camping, or my in-laws are, uh, my brother-in-law has a really nice RV, that has reclining, massaging chairs, a fireplace, and a big screen TV in it. So this is apparently a North American thing that may be hard for you to understand. Um, the problem with a big camper or a big RV like that is you kind of go and you park it where you can, which is at a RV grounds, uh, mm, a recreational a center, yeah. a camp, camp. You end up being too close to your neighbors. And that's something that I don't want. So, you know, an RV I could pick up for, well, a fraction of what I'm paying for this stupid truck and uh, camper setup. But the problem with that is, you know, you're, you're dragging around this 30 foot thing with you that you can't just, you know, pull into the side of the road and have a nap when the mood strikes. Um, my idea of actually getting out is much better suited by the idea of having a truck camper uh my in-laws have a different style of camper it's like a half tent half camper so they all go out they pop it up and uh, my reason i don't like to go with them is because they go to these rv grounds and uh, you know what i'm i'm already too close to my neighbors i don't want to get any closer to neighbors that i didn't choose and you know in, in canada the rv grounds they tend to be loud there's a lot of people drinking been obnoxious you know, all that stuff that is not really what I'm looking for. So this is an expensive solution to a problem of my own making that is really because Mrs. T said no to me getting a little tent. Well, th this is buying a JCB because you can't crack your walnut. Pretty much. Pretty much. I mean, how, how often are you planning on going out into the backwoods? I mean, every month? 
you know what? It'll be every couple of weeks. I would think, um, I'm where I am. I'm 15, 20 minutes from the backwoods. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's very, very remote, very quickly around here. So the idea of getting away, uh, the more I thought about this over, over Christmas, one of the challenges that I have is living and working in the same building. You know, mm -hmm. I don't go anywhere, particularly in the winter. This truck is a four season camper, which means I can use it in the winter because it has, it has a furnace too. Uh, so it comes with its own heat. Um, a tent tends not to do things like that. So there's a whole bunch of reasons for this. So I think I'll get a lot of use out of it um, just in getting away from it. There's, you know, a whole lot of behind the scenes justification and all the rest of it. And let's face it. I mean, up here, I have the small, tiny truck now. I wanted a big truck anyway. So, well, I could justify half the investment anyway because I get a big truck with six wheels. Oh, very manly. <laughs> uh well if you say so i mean the the sort of rv concept doesn't really work quite so well in europe i think because because everywhere that we would want to go or everywhere that i would want to go i mean even your 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 six six wheel truck would probably struggle to get through a sicilian village or a uh, a greek village where you know the roads were made for a donkey I mean, you struggle getting a, a, a tiny Fiat through those those streets, let alone uh, some beer moth with you know six wheels and an engine that could well take you to the moon. So I, I've always loved the idea of the RVs. Yeah, I mean, especially the ones you see sort of on TV, where you know a little a little hatch opens up and a smart car comes out of the bottom, and uh, as you say, they've got reclining seats and jacuzzis, and it just looks so luxurious and brilliant. But I'm thinking. I'm not sure I've ever seen a road that could facilitate that, that could handle that sort of traffic other than, you know, the big American freeway, which we don't really have. Mm. I, I think it really is a, a product of where you are and where you'd like to go. Mm. Um, you know, if you, you know, and the type of camping that you want to do too, or a type of RVing, because that's the thing. Uh, this is, we'll talk about it when I get it. Uh, as I say, I've got the offer in. The offer has been notionally accepted, and now we just have to do all the paperwork, and that'll be over the next week or two. And I, I think my first trip will actually be uh, over to the coast because I got to go back to work. And in the winter, driving well, it's dark and it's miserable. So I could probably make it a two-day trip rather than trying to do it all in one day and just boondock in in the camper. So there there are some reasons for it. It's just. You know, I paid a lot of money to avoid paying a hotel bill. <laughs> well, if it makes you happy, young man, crack on. That's what I would say. See, I've, I've got to change that quote in Mrs. T's head. You know, it's not just throw money at any problem to make it go away. <laughs> no, indeed. Not, not every time. No. All right, Stu, what's your tool of the week? Let's get back on focus here. Okay, tool of the week uh, for me is a weekly planner, which is a, a new thing for me. I don't usually use one. Um, I had purchased a diary from the economist not not the ones that we discussed before the sort of huge spiral bound um you know two page per day ones but um a a week view one it's they call what do they call it i think it was a travel a travel diary perhaps um so i ordered one of those thinking that'll work that will give me a sort of week uh view where i can just time block my days that's what i was hoping to do was continue with my sort of daily driver uh, approach where I'm sort of writing notes and working out what I'm doing with with the day. But then just going into a sort of, you know, a little planner thing. Okay, Wednesday morning I'm playing golf. So Wednesday afternoon I'm going to do this and, you know, give give some shape to my week. That, that was the plan. Um, and then the Economist diary order just went, went completely wrong. I think they gave it to their UK uh, shipper. Uh, who looked at it and went, Cyprus, that's not in the UK, uh, and sent it back to them, um, <laughs> which is the equivalent the equivalent of throwing it into a black hole, as far as I could work out. Uh, so despite me sort of chasing chasing the Economist diary um, outfit, which is, is a, it's a storefront for, for Collins, um, a big manufacturer, 
Um, I, I was getting nowhere. Um, and well, I've been under a bit of stress, Justin. So, um, so the beast was released. Um, oh. and I, I unleashed the, the, um, uh, what do you call it? Chargeback. So I let my, my card company know saying that I've ordered this thing. It hasn't arrived. They're not responding. It's been 30 days. Uh, so the card company went right. Okay. We're on it. Um, of course, instantly then the, um, uh, the merchant started responding, um, and gave me a refund, but it gave me a refund for the diary, but not for the shipping. Oh, lovely. And, I, and so I went back to them and said, um, you never shipped anything to me. Why would I pay you shipping? Oh, well, we don't usually get returns. Uh, you're not listening. It wasn't a return. It never came. So I don't care what your T's and C's say. You're going to give me the shipping back. At which point there was silence again. <laughs> I was gritting my teeth and I got in touch again and saying, listen, you know, I, I don't want to be d difficult about this, but... I made an order with you. You did nothing except take some money off me. That's illegal. And if you want to go to go to court with this, I'll go to court. Trust me. I'm in financial services. This is my bread and butter. At which point they came back and said, well, we would refund you the shipping, but there's a chargeback. Oh, of course. Yes, the chargeback. So now I've been paid for the whole lot by my bank. Uh, I've been paid for the goods by the supplier. Um, and they're not going to pay me the shipping, which is, is I suppose, fair, given that I now own, owe them money. So I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm currently speaking to the bank saying, all right, so are you going to refund them or shall I? Um, and we'll, we'll see where we get to. But yeah, don't, don't mess with me, online retailers. This is, this is what I'm telling you. Do not mess with me, particularly when I'm in a bad mood. Um, so instead of that, I went to, to my own stock at Nero's Notes and... Um, you would have heard of these guys, uh, Right Pads and Co. Um, or Right Notepads, they used to be known as actually. Um, down in Baltimore, Johnny Gamba country. Uh -huh. uh, in fact, Johnny Johnny Gamba does does some writing for their website. I think um, really nice products. Uh, this is a spiral bound um, landscape planner, um, sort of. I suppose the A five ish opened up if you like, it's, just, it's sort of a four-ish sort of American version of, um, but nice, really nice. You've got a, that view that I described. So a one week uh, to a two page view open in front of you, if you like. Um, and I've started using that to plan out my weeks. It's not a natural thing for me. I'm having to sort of focus on doing it. Um, but I'm, I'm hoping that it's going to just give me that sense of control and that I know what I'm supposed to be doing ish. Uh, enjoying it so far it's funny i've never actually paid attention to this product before i'm just looking at the pictures on the link that will be in the show notes i said oh this is kind of what i'm talking about on the next the next point my tool because Stu, we do this stuff and we end up in the same place so many times have you noticed that mm -hmm. without talking because Stu and i haven't actually talked for weeks um Pretty cool stuff. So I tried to do something different this year. And I mentioned it uh, last episode. I bought this really fancy. It's actually beautiful. You know, part, part of the reason I'm a stationary nerd, I think, Stu, is that pretty things just make me go, ooh, I want to own them and I want to find a use case for them. Oh, sure, yeah. Uh, so this paper blanks looks like a, uh, it's like an old-fashioned bound book with sort of the, the gilt on it and everything. And I figured, oh, this will be good. It's a page a day, which which sounds great. It's it's pre-done from eight in the morning to eight at night. I can do my time blocking. It'll be wonderful. The problem with it is that I was making a weekly layout, very similar to what you're now using in the right pads. Uh, but I've been creating that for the last year or so in my Loich term. Hmm. What I like about that is I've got sort of, what is it? Uh, six columns. I think I break it out as the first one is the task that I need to do in the week. The second or the, the second to six column are the days of the week that I work. And I kind of use those for focusing, for putting the, 
the big things that I want to do in there and then filling around it with the task list. What I found after a week of using this daily plan is that I was losing my train as far as what was coming in the rest of the week, what that list of tasks was that I wanted to look in there. And I found myself just not using it at all and sort of resenting it. And um, I so I'm, I'm back at the moment to a week in a lunch term, much like your, your right pads layout. I, I'm, I'm doing that again. Um, I still have this beautiful little page a day, which I'm kind of using for notes, but it's duplication. And I'm just not thinking this was a good investment for me. The, the style doesn't work as well as I would like. So I'm trying to keep it simple. Um, you know, keep it very simple is if it works, don't try to fix it. No matter how pretty the product is. Indeed. All right, Stu, what do you got for pens this week? Uh, pens. Well, um, it's not much changed since we last spoke, to be honest, because I've my my fountain pens all stayed at home. Um, I was very very disciplined about my packing. Uh, the one that I did take with me was um, a Coeco Sport, uh, which is a lime coloured one. So this is one of the really lightweight plastic ones, and and brace yourself, it has a fine nib, Justin. Did you accidentally order that? Uh, no, this was my um, sort of pretty, well, low investment in the fine nib world. Um, these pens retail at about, I don't know, $30 or something. Um, and, well, if you've got a stationary store, they're a little bit less than that. Um, and I ordered one, oh, must be a year ago. And I get it out uh, every now and again. I mean, the great thing about a fine nib is that it's much more forgiving of paper. Mm-hmm. Um, when I'm, when I've got a, a Mont Blanc with a double broad, then I need pretty good paper if I'm going to make that work. Um, uh, a Kaweco with a fine nib will work on pretty much anything. Uh, and it's, I mean, it's just such a handy, handy form factor. It's a really nice little pen. Um, well, if you like lime, um, the other colors are available. There's sort of tangerine and pink and all sorts of really good stuff. Um, but yeah, loving it. Nice little change writing with a, with a fork. I'm actually just looking, sitting on my desk, I have the pearlescent version of that. There you uh, go. The plastic one. So, uh, yeah, they are nice. Uh, I have mine in a fine as well, Stu. Mm-hmm. Uh, their extra fines are a little iffy. They're, the fines are actually a very nice, useful uh, nib size. Mm-hmm. I'm just surprised that you have one. Well, you know, variety is the spice of life. What about you? What are you using? A selection of little forks and needles? Pretty much. Uh, I've got all new pens from the last time because I broke down over Christmas and I cleaned all my pens and, uh, oh, it was just, you know, you know, when you start new on everything for the new year, uh, everything just sort of came into being. So, uh, more importantly, I got two brand new pens for me. Uh, the first one is perhaps the most special, uh, my daughter. Um, decided that uh, she likes a lot of anime stuff. She is looking online for some of this stuff in the Japanese uh, stores that ship out to Canada. And she found a Japanese-only pilot Kakuno with a Pokemon logo on it. It's a little Pikachu. It is... So thoughtful. It is Japanese only. So she ordered it from Japan and had it ship in time for Christmas for me. Uh, that much thought that went into a gift for me is, is lovely. Uh, the story of the Pokemon, uh, my daughter is of that age that her first cell phone was given to her. I gave her a cell phone and a cell plan so that we could play Pokemon Go together. Uh, she was... 13, I think it was at the summer of Pokemon Go. And so we, we had many hours walking around the neighborhood, catching Pokemon. And because she was doing it, we, we all did it as a family. So there's a, there's a whole Pokemon connection there. The thought, the love that went into picking this pen up, you know, even though it is technically only a Kakuno with a, with a label on it, it's lovely. I, I just, I'm so touched by this, you know, 
Um, so I've been really using this more than I would normally use any other Kakuno, um, just because it's just such a special pen. So there you go. Uh, my second pen that came to me, uh, Vancouver Pen Club. I've sort of still an honorary member, even though I don't live particularly close to Vancouver to go to the, me the meetings anymore. They did a pen order from Leonardo directly. And Leonardo, uh, there's a connection. We've had uh, a limited edition pen before in the past from them. This was a club exclusive. So this combination of material trim um, has not been done in this pen before. So this is a Ferrari for Ferrari. I'm not even sure how to say that, Stu. You're the language guy. Tell me. Uh, Ferrari. Fiore, yes. It's one of those. Uh, it's not a Ferrari. It's a Ferrari in a blue mosaic material. And this one is limited to 30 pieces. I've got number 22, and it's absolutely gorgeous. It's the nib coming directly from Leonardo themselves. They've obviously spent a little bit extra time and effort on it. It's the best Leonardo out of the box that I've ever had. So really enjoying that. And then to throw in there, I also inked up before all the pens came, uh, Pilot 823, a Conklin a Twisby 580. I'm using a 1.1 stub in that. Stu's going mm. to uh, the fine nibs. I'm I'm going I'm going all the stubby broads. Good stuff. I've got a Lamy Studio and a limited edition U.S. made steel pen. One of those small makers that was popular a couple of years ago. I was going to say tactile term, but I don't think it is. Uh, I can't remember the maker, mm -hmm. uh, but I've got that on there on the go as well. So I've got a whole bunch of pens, uh, more than I ever need. So, um, yeah. And each one with a different color ink. It's, it's just fountain pen heaven over here, Stu. Mm, well, that's uh, that furore is beautiful. A lovely looking pen. Yeah, it is, isn't it? I, I wasn't sure. We had some choices over colors. The club voted. Uh, the blue was like, I've got enough blue pens. But uh, mm. when it came, it's it's uh, quite stunning. It's it's like a yeah. a layered mosaic with different colors of, of blue and clear and white in there. It's, it's yeah. really lovely. It's, it's a blue pen that's not blue, which if, if anybody sees the picture, that will make sense to you. Um, it's, yeah, it's lovely. Really, really nice. And just because you said that, I'm now going to have to put a picture in the show notes. Well, you can put it on your Instagram. It's fine. Um, but also the, um, the little Pikachu thing. That's lovely. What a lovely little story that is. Yeah, it was uh, really touching. My, my daughter was pretty pleased that she managed to get this with her own money. I knew nothing about it. She'd arranged it all on her own. Um, so she was, she was pretty happy on Christmas. We, we had a great Christmas uh exchanging gifts and that was the one for me it just it it got me in all 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 the tingles i was very very happy and she was equally happy because she got to get me the right pen that i didn't even know i wanted that you know a complete surprise it was just brilliant those moments they don't come too long but when you do live with them and enjoy them and use the pen mm, absolutely fantastic what a great gift all right Stu, we're going to talk about mastodon well are we? Good Lord. We're going to talk about social media. Um, mm. It's kind of been on our topic list and we were going to do this uh, sort of in between Christmas and New Year's and then that just didn't happen. So we're, we're going to have a conversation about it. It seems like every podcaster is talking about social media and mm. where to find them on the at dot at dot whatever, you know, um, Mastodon thing at the moment. I know Stu's experimenting with some of that, but I think we wanted to kind of look at the bigger question of social me media. Has it peaked? Has the time of maximum influence passed? Or are we just getting old? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I kind of, uh, I, well, I got, I got to start this because I've got, I've got some thoughts on this because I, I was thinking about how I got into social media. I'm not sure what Stu's is. I want to ask him. Um, I got into Facebook. I set up a Facebook account in uh, probably the late knots, uh, must have been 2007, 2008, to keep touch with a friend that was going to go do an MBA in London. And that was when Facebook was very simple and 
you get to see pictures, if you were lucky, of what your friends were having for lunch or, you know, what they were doing that day. It was very basic and it was very much about your friends. And there were, you could do, what was it, like a tag your friend or something silly like that. that you know, uh, very simple stuff that uh, was, well, kind of ridiculous now looking back on it, but it was kind of a thing that you could do to keep in touch with a small group of friends that were also on it. Mm. Um, I got into Instagram later, basically to support my blog, to show off my photography. I was very late to Twitter. I tried a couple of different accounts and I just couldn't get into it. It was like, okay, well, what do you do with 280 or 140 characters back in those days? And who do you follow? And I thought there was a whole bunch of, uh, well, self-important. Um, I'm trying to think of something to say that uh, I don't have to bleep myself. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I never kind of got into Twitter. Um, I never tried Snapchat or TikTok. Don't watch a lot of YouTube content unless I have a problem I'm trying to solve. Spent a lot of time looking at reviews of uh, RVs. I do last a little while. Um, no Mastodon, I, I don't need toots in my life. So to me, socials had a time and a place. And what they are now is definitely not what they were when I got involved in them. Stu, what, what about you? What, how did you get into social media and why did you get into it? Uh, well, Facebook um, came along or became popular at a time that it was... Uh, it was a magical solution for a problem that I had. So I spent the 90s, pretty much all of the 90s, um, living as a, as, a, as a currency nomad. So I worked in currency and I worked in France. I worked in Hungary, the Czech Republic, Bulgaria, Italy, Spain. Well, I want to say a couple of other, Cyprus. Um, working for different companies, bouncing around to different roles and sort of building little mini lives in, in those places. So, you know, I have friends in, in Prague, I have friends in Budapest, I have friends in Paris. Um, people that it was quite difficult to keep in touch with, or not, no, it wasn't quite difficult to keep in touch with, it was quite easy, you just picked up the phone, but there was overhead to keeping in touch with people. It cost money. Um, and you know, you had no guarantee that the number you called would be where the person was anymore. And uh, suddenly Facebook came along and said, okay, this is a, a place that friends can keep in touch. Um, and as you say, you can, you could sort of send each other jokes. You could, um, tag, tag people in on what you're having for lunch. And that was kind of it. So I played a bit of rugby in a, a team in, in Prague and we all, everybody was a nomad. So of those guys, uh, they went all over the world and still are all over the world. And we're broadly speaking, still in touch via Facebook, or we would be if I ever logged in. But as you say, that's not what Facebook does anymore. Um, it's, I was just today, I, I sort of started scrolling through my Instagram feed um, just because I wanted to see what I saw. Um, and I didn't see anything from you and I didn't see anything from your wife. And yet I follow you both and I know that you put pictures up. I didn't see really anything from my friends. I saw a lot of ads. Uh, I saw a lot of, um, popular posts, I guess. Mm. And I saw, uh, quite a lot of invitations for me to look at, um, I'm going to say videos. There's a different word for them, but they're essentially little mini videos. Reels, I think is the word. Is that the word? Exactly that. And I was thinking, not particularly interested in any of this. But at the same time, one thing I will say about Reels, um, I have no interest in Reels, but when I open one, 15 minutes later, I'm still there. Mm, yeah. Uh, because there's some shark swimming about doing something or potentially about to do something interesting. or. Um, uh, you know, there's some really sort of, um, horrific type stuff as well, where you can see a car crash happening and, you know, just weird things that's oddly compelling or, um, a horrible distraction, depending on your point of view. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and Twitter is is much the same, I find. So there's a couple of people. Um, there's one in, in particular I think of. We used to play golf at the same golf club. And I think we probably met six times in passing. Uh, we may have exchanged three nods and two hellos. That's the entire extent of our our relationship. But he's got a really funny Twitter account. Um, he used to run a spoof one, um, which is um, very, very funny. It's called REF Luton. Um, if, if anybody is on Twitter still, go and have a look at that. It'll make you laugh. It's not him anymore. Um, he gave it on to a friend. But it's, um, it's a spoof uh, avionics military type um, account, and it does make me laugh. Um, but he, I say a year ago, maybe two years ago, he bought a large property in Wales, there's lovely Lukyo, um, that needed a lot of renovation. So, you know, an old, an old farmhouse, if you like. And he's been sort of logging the, the work he's been doing on the house and you've seen it come together. It's been a brilliant project to watch. Um, and he's very witty with it. So really enjoy his post. And there's a few other people on Twitter. Um, but I logged onto Twitter again today for the first time in a while. And it's, this, it's not there on my feed, or whatever my feed is now called. There are no posts from my friends. Mm-hmm. Um, I then have to, to sort of search them out. Uh, and then I can see, oh, he is still posting, but for some reason the algorithm has decided that those aren't the things that I want to see or they aren't the things I should see. I mean, who knows? But so as you say, I'm, I'm looking at this going, I'm not particularly enjoying this, and it's not really serving the purpose. I mean, I think, I think some friends do find each other on social media, um, and then you you maybe communicate through um the channels that they provide so you know if you find somebody on on facebook then you might sort of message them on messenger which is facebook's messenger oh has anybody ever done that to you it just i know no 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 there's better ways to get older we do not message me on that thing i i have one or two people who love messenger and that's that's where they they communicate and if you want to communicate with them you have to be there now i mean okay i haven't tested that theory by just you know, sending the final message saying, I'm not here anymore, but you can find me here. Um, but yeah, I have I, one or two people who contact me on, on Messenger. I have loads of people who are still in love with WhatsApp, um, which is, I, I know it's a very European thing. Um, I have some people who message me through Instagram, which I find terribly confusing because messages sort of seem to come very unreliably there. Um, some people who DM me on Twitter. Um, and I have to say, I would love, I would dearly love to write the post saying, do you know what, guys, I, I kind of done with this. Um, you know, if you want to find me, find me. Bye. I'd, I'd really like to do that just to get rid of the overhead. Just, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm not going to look here for messages anymore. I'm not going to feel guilty if there are messages here anymore. I've, I've put a message here saying, I'm not here. Um, but then I think about work and I think about Nero's particularly um, where, you know, Nero's has an Instagram account where I post pictures of notebooks pretty much, um, whatever artwork we're supplied um, um, and that Claire gives me access to, which she remembers. Um, <laughs> I, I'll put a little picture up and uh, there's a, a, an automation that will then post that on Facebook and post it on Twitter as well. Uh, and it's sort of, you know, those people that choose to follow those accounts, it's like, hi, you know, nice stuff. And, you know, does it drive sales? I don't know, because once I read the terms and conditions of um, what I would have to do if I wanted to know if it drove sales, I just went, mm, I'm not interested. Essentially, the terms and conditions are that I have to put little tracking pixels into all the ads or all the posts, which would then, um, if you just didn't click on it, you would in fact be giving all you all your permission to Facebook for them to mine all of your information, all of your friends, mm-hmm. um, all f- from me putting up. And I was like, no, I no, no, I don't want to do that. You know, if people want to find me, here it is, and they can look at notebooks and then hopefully go to the website. And if they buy, they buy. And if they don't, they don't. And I'll never know what drives what. But I'm I'm more comfortable with that than sort of being involved in the harvesting of data. Um, and so there's this part of me that goes, 
you know, would it be a smart business move for Nero's notes to sort of disappear off, off all social channels? Um, and if I go, um, if I say, yeah, do you know what? I should probably stay. It's not a huge amount of work to stay there. Then I think, well, if they're there, they've got to be owned by a private account anyway, which is mine. So I kind of may as well just sort of get, and I, I, I'm just going around in circles, just, and I don't know whether to stay or go. There's a song in there somewhere. <laughs> I think the key to it that, that I've found is just not engage. Um, I'm using different apps for different things, Mac only, not on my phone. And what that does is it cuts down on a lot of the, the stuff that I dislike about it. Um, you know, when you were saying you couldn't find anything about Instagram posts, that's because, well, I'm using an app on my computer now. So posting is actually much more difficult and you tend not to do it as much. I also am not checking it as much because I go in there and uh, I've got rid of all the ads. I've got rid of all the suggested feeds and it's actually good. It's kind of like what Instagram used to be. And I realized just how curated my feed actually is from people that post regularly. So I'm, I'm not in there anywhere near as much as I was when the temptation when you have it, when you have access to social media, as you said, it's the real thing. You know, you click on something and all of a sudden, you know, you're 10, 15 minutes down. It's all about eyeballs. And that's what they're counting on. I think that's what social media has become a business. And that business is attention. And the way to get attention is more things flashing in front of your eyes. If you can go back to the old school Facebook where you check in, you know, once every few days and see what your friends had for lunch. I think I'd, I'd probably actually be much more engaged with it. The way Facebook is now, I, I see nothing from my friends. I see, I don't even know what I see, you know, just junk, really. Mm. Uh, you might have interacted with one post five years ago. So here's 54 different things that have no relevance to anything you're interested in, but we think we'll get you to click on them. Um, and it's, it's just become a real challenge to use. Uh, and I, I just find I'm... I'm disengaged with it. Mm. Uh, I know that putting me in front of TikTok would be a bad thing for me. I see my daughter on it and on her social media apps. I'm not sure. She uses a lot of Discord with some friends. So I'm not sure where, where, where that line is for her. But I see the attention that she puts on onto her devices. And I, I don't want to call her out she is part of an age group that this is common. All of her friends are the same way when they're together. You know, there's, there's watching content. I just don't want to be that way. I want to stare off into the distance. You know, I want to sit here and daydream and look off into the mountain that I could see from my window. Um, I, I'd rather do that than have my head glued to a phone looking at whatever an algorithm thinks is going to get the most attention possible out of me. The attention economy, I think, is what they call it now. Uh -huh. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not sure that socials have peaked. I think you and I are in a similar place. Um, generationally, I wonder if that has something to do with it. You know, my daughter's an age that she grew up with a phone. As I said, she got her first phone at 13. And her friends are the same way. The generation coming up after her got their phones even earlier. Um, you know, there's a generation of, of moms I've worked with that, you know, the way to keep their kids engaged and quiet and allow them to do things that they need to do because kids are hard. Um, is unfortunately to give them an iPad or an iPhone. And kids get used to that at a very early age. I've seen several uh, children. I, I don't want to say just moms, uh, you know, dads too. Parents, it's easy to distract a child with, with an iPad in a wheelchair or in a, in a buggy, whatever you call it. I'm just a stroller. That's a word. Good at words today. Kids' words. <laughs> Not so good, so much experience on those. Um, yeah, it's, it's weird. I, I think generationally for us who started off with social media to look back and say, how do we get into it? And what are we getting out of it? 
um, I wonder just how much of it is us tooting with the Macedon reference there, our own horn, you know, mm. um, oh, sure. are we just, are we just showing off a little bit by posting, uh, clever comments onto the internet where nobody hears it because uh, that's just the way it is. Nothing is seen anymore. It's, it's a thing that I'm, I'm not sure about it. Uh, Stu, any different thoughts, any, anything that uh, I've said that resonates? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think that my instincts, which, you know, generally speaking, um, have been pretty good. My instincts are that were, my businesses was, I mean, it's quite simple. I mean, the, the consultancy business, the social presence is tiny. If, if it disappeared, nobody would notice. Um, with Nero's, um, I think there are maybe a few people that follow it. Um, what's Nero's got? Nero's has got about, I think a couple of thousand followers. Um, you know, it's not huge by any stretch of the imagination, but I don't think that if it disappeared, I don't think people would, um, necessarily lament it. Um, would, would they perhaps not be as prompted as often to buy notebooks? Do you know what? I, I seriously doubt it would make any difference. Um, I, I see a spike if, if I remember to do a newsletter for Nero's and send it to, uh, you know, to customers, then that, you know, generally will drive some sales because people go, oh, he's got those Rodeas back in stock or, or whatever. Um, and they like Rodeas, so they'll go and buy one. Um, but I don't think the social, the social stuff really drives much. Does it power awareness? I guess kinda, but my instinct is actually the fear of leaving, um, is probably, you know, I'm, I'm inventing reasons to, to just say, I better stay. Um, and the problem I have is, is my sort of inner drama queen that just wants to say, I'm either in or I'm out. I can't mm. do both. I can't sort of not engage because the idea of a, of a customer sending a message and me sort of ignoring it for weeks just, just gives me the chills. I hate that. I would hate it as a customer. And so I don't want to do it to my customers. And um, I, I guess I could try and twist Claire's arm <laughs> to check the, the messages. But um, yeah, I, there, there's a big part of me that's drifting towards the, do you know what, just turn it all off. And um, I guess I could always turn it back on again if I wanted to. Um, and as you say, spend that time focusing more on more quality sort of um, communication with friends, uh, more quality communication with customers, you know, tell them something interesting in a, in a newsletter, which isn't limited to 280 characters or, um, you know, a swish photo that flashes past the feed. And, uh, you know, I have, I have Instagram suggesting that I start recording reels. I'm not quite sure how a notebook is going to be sold on a reel, but again, that, that's, that's me being old, I guess. Well, it's algorithmic, um, presence, right? Uh, Instagram wants eyeballs as long as possible. Sure. So they're going to suggest things that keep eyeballs the longest. Somebody can, as you say, flick past a photo pretty quickly, notice it and go, oh, nice, move on. A, a reel, if you put a 30 second reel in, somebody's waiting to the end to see what the punchline is. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. I'm just going to give you an example. I, I, I'm actually a little contrary to your thoughts on it, that it's good to have a presence. Um, I uh, enjoy tea and recently got, well, my, my birthday gift from my wife was uh, a tea robot from, mm -hmm. from Jason Snell, which we could talk about at some point. Basically it's an automatic tea maker, um, property, not the stuff that Stu grew up drinking, you know, with two sugars and milk and that kid, you could actually uh, <laughs> sit the spoon up and it would actually stay there. Uh, this is, you know, for, you know, organic, uh, herbal teas and white teas. And, you know, it, it's, it's fantastic because it, um, it brews a tea according to the temperature and the length of time you specify, and it keeps it warm so that when you come back and you forget about it, it's still a good cup of tea an hour later, which is the reason I have it because I'm terrible for brewing a cup of tea and then uh, I gotta let it sit for three minutes. I'll just do this. And 
30 minutes later, oh, my tea. And it comes back and it's uh, stew style tea. <laughs> We we must we must we must circle back on this tea thing. Well, I know you like your your espresso, so I figured you like your tea the English way. No, I think you'd be very surprised. I think your tea tastes and mine are very similar. All right, well, uh, the the English style tea that I grew up with. Let's let's call it yeah, that. Bil- builders tea, they call it. Um, curiously, my Italian wife likes her tea that way. Oh. Ah, about the same thickness as the espresso. Yeah, I anyway, guess. Uh, so th- there was, there was a brand. There, w- there was a point to this, really. Besides me showing off because I got a new tea maker, um, there was a brand of tea stores in Canada called David's Tea, uh-huh. and they expanded quite, quite, quite heavily. Uh, they've been around for maybe 10, 15 years. Uh, And they had a group of stores where you could go in, they would have some wonderful herbal teas. You'd have a sniff, you'd pick it up, you'd Mm -hmm. you'd take it. Uh, It was just wonderful. And I drank a lot of those. Uh, David's Tea did not survive. They were very aggressive. They were, I think, VC funded. They were, you know, going for growth. And then the pandemic hit and all of a sudden these retail stores that were closed never made it. The tea, there's still a business. They closed all those stores and went to an online only distribution thing. You can go to their website, you can order and they'll ship it to you. And I knew this and I had kind of forgotten about them until they had actually sent out a mailer a little while ago. Um, And so because I didn't follow them on any socials, I've basically forgotten about them. Because they weren't visible, they weren't there, they'd gone, the stores had disappeared. Uh, I knew because of the, the, the store signs, we're gone, please find us online. But I'd never actually taken advantage of it. Um, now, the disaster, uh, which was right up there with your economist shipping your journal to you, uh, of actually getting the stuff is a place I would not recommend under any circumstances whatsoever. My Christmas tea arrived uh, two days ago and they shipped the wrong Christmas tea. <laughs> uh, so, you know, they they obviously were better in store than online. But the point is that I think there is a time and a place for social media to remind people who, like myself, drank a lot of that tea from the store that there is brand presence with that. So I'm going to, I'm going to throw that out there that, okay, you might not generate direct sales, but having that, oh yeah, Nero's is there Hmm. when, and if I need to get some stationary, I think it's actually very important. Yeah. I mean, I suppose the, 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 the way I've been thinking of it most recently is that, um, let's assume that we've got the Stu Lennon account and I, I'm turned off by the way that these social media channels have changed. They're algorithmic. Um, I find it difficult to actually follow my friends. Um, and that's before we start getting into, you know, that they, they can be quite unpleasant places to hang out. Um, and that's before we get into the fact, you know, these are a real attention drain. So do you know what? I'm, I think I'm, I'm not interested in these things anymore. That's kind of where I am. And then I think, Okay, well, with Nero's, I can pretty much automate it. Um, I use Buffer, so I um, I set up ten days worth of Instagram posts and tweets, and um, and just sort of fire them out there. Um, I can amend. I have, in fact, amended my uh, my profiles to say, "Well, hey, we're kind of not here anymore. Come and see us there," um, and sort of direct people towards the website. Uh, and and just let it run and let it run. And then there's a, a part of me that goes, hey, aren't you part of the problem? Yeah. <laughs> aren't, aren't I contributing to this whole algorithmic sort of, I don't want to say hellscape because it's, it's the, it's, it's the, the word of the month and I hate it, but this, this whole sort of algorithmic dirge that is driving everybody off social media is kind of everybody doing what I could be doing, just trying to keep the brands alive. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm vacillating. I'll, I'll go to challenge you on that one because you're not promoting it. You're not paying for the promotion. Oh, no, no, sure. What you're doing is you are, if it's ever seen, which is a whole different question in itself, 
but you're pointing it out to people who are interested in it and have said from me liking your brand that I want to hear what you're doing mm. and periodic posts from brands like that. I still want to see, I mean, I'd love to see Facebook where it was like that again, you know, where yeah. you followed the few brands and you know, the brands didn't have a social media manager and team that was generating content every three minutes to get all the eyeballs. Um, you know, something where it's just brand awareness. Oh, this is new. I'll have to remember that for the next time I need this, a notebook or a pencil. I think that's, that's fine, but you're right. There is a whole bunch of overhead in maintaining accounts, especially if you have a challenge as many of us do, uh, including myself, which is why I'm kind of using these apps and a timer on Facebook. So it closes down after a certain amount of time per, uh, on, on my browser. If I look at it, um, I just don't have anything on my phone because that temptation to sit there and look at an hour's worth of reels is, is very real. You know, even for somebody that pretends to be, um, disciplined on this stuff, sure. you know, it's, it's very easy. You know, you, I, I, I noticed it myself. Uh, I would do things like I, I get up in the morning, I make myself a bagel and while the bagel was toasting, I have a choice to sit there and wait and get bored and think and whatever else one does when one is having a moment of reflection. Or you could pull out your phone and you could do something and guess which one usually works. Um, I, th I think the key is if we're looking at it and we're saying, what is, is that valuable time? What are we doing? Are we just filling time? And is that time we really want to have filled? Do we want to have some space in our life? And that's kind of what I'm working on. Uh, but yeah, I really, I really agree with you that it's, it's a mixed bag. Hmm. Yeah. Um, like I say, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely stepping away from social media. I'm not sure to what extent and I'm restraining myself from a sort of dramatic announcement. Um, because it just looks silly when you come back, <laughs> but, um, you know, um, Mastodon, uh, is, is fine. It's great. I, I love the principles upon which it's built. Um, it has really well documented um, issues in terms of discoverability and how to use it. And I mean, in many ways, its weakness is that it's, it's a bit like Twitter and Twitter doesn't work. <laughs> That's, I suppose, the lesson of the last few months or indeed few years, if you've been paying attention. Um, Instagram, Facebook, you know, these guys are these guys, they are doing what they are doing. Um, I mean, if you look at the, the business model of, of Facebook, Facebook, you'd have to be genuinely concerned. I mean, it's, uh, it's hemorrhaging money, it's hemorrhaging staff, um, and it appears to be, to use your analogy, hemorrhaging eyeballs, mm. which is an interesting metaphor all on its own. So, yeah, I, I think for, for me, um, I'm, I'm going to sort of take that sort of Twyford-esque disengagement approach um, and how far that extends into the brands and, and all of that, we will wait and see. But um, certainly if anybody does have thoughts about this, I'd love to hear them um, at stationaryadjacent at gmail.com. Look at that. I even remembered the, uh, the email address. Wow. You must have listened to me once or twice over the last uh, uh, you see. 80, 89 app. 89 app. Wow, this is episode 89, Stu. Jeez, we've been doing this a while. That's uh, it's Canadian water torture. That's what it is. It just drips into my head. Cool. All right. Any takeaways from this? Uh, I think I've probably just said it. Social media has lost its luster for me. Um, I have concerns around the businesses. Um, but I also take your point that, you know, for, for the younger generation, uh, Facebook was never a thing anyway. And TikTok's great. Who knows? Are you going to be making TikTok reels uh, anytime soon for Nero's notes? Let's hope not. Notebooks and I could just, I, I don't, I don't know what TikTok does, but I'm sure there's something. It talks or ticks. Probably both. I don't even know. God, old people ranting on the internet. <laughs> when did we get to this, Stu? When did we get to this? It creeps up on you. I, I guess my challenge to everybody is, uh, you know, if you feel like you're spending too much time on socials and I'm kind of guessing if you're listening to us, you might have a good set of balance. You might not need this, 
But I, I would spend 10 minutes just reflecting on why we got onto social media in the first place and, and kind of ask yourself, does it still fulfill that need or has it evolved in my, like in my case to something much less enjoyable and then decide how much of an issue it is for you based on that. Maybe you never got into it. Maybe you have more control than I do. I don't know. All right, Stu, where can people find you on the internet? You got to give us a whole list of social media things after we've just complained about it for an hour. Exactly. Look, if you want to find me on the internet, do me a favor, go to stuartlennon.com. Uh, that's where you'll find my writing. Um, that's where I'm saying most of the things that I want to say. Uh, otherwise, you can find me at nerosnotes.co.uk. Um, if you're really industrious, you can find me on uh, Twitter, on Instagram, even on Facebook. But um, I'm I'm not really there anymore. What about you, Justin? Where can people find you? Yeah, I think the same advice to me is if you want to find me, want to get in touch with me, uh, justintwyford.com. I'm I'm still around, but a lot less engaged with with Twitter and Instagram. I never did the tweet rex thing that Stu's got for Mastodon. I was actually looking at Mastodon the other day, Stu. Uh-huh. I have never realized that there is such a need for so many furry communities in the world. Just say I was I was tempted to sign up just for a furry community because I thought it would be a fun uh, address to have, but I didn't want to disrespect people that have legitimate um, interests. So, uh, you know, if you do want to find more about Stu and myself, though, uh, com and email us stationadjacent gmail.com. Really appreciate it. Um, do us a favor, please like and review us on your podcast catcher choice and recommend us to a friend or colleague or a child that you think may spend too much time on social media and we can get their feelings as well. Our next topic is, well, a little later than we'd originally planned, but we're going to talk about our 2023 yearly themes. Basically, stationary adjacent does cortex. Until then, goodbye and stay productive. Yes, us. <laughs>